We made USAA insurance for veterans like James. When he found out how much USAA was helping members save, he said, It's time to switch. We'll help you find the right coverage at the right price. USAA. What you're made of, we're made for. Restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 40 of the Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Thank you. I'm Bethany, and today I have a guest. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Who are you, guest? <laughs> I am Leah from YA Book Chat Podcast. And I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I was on the first episode of your podcast, and you're just now coming on for a chapter discussion, so it's really exciting to have you. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here, and you know, I keep thinking, like, I need to have you on mine again, except that by the time I get to more Marissa Meyer books, it's going to be a little while yet, but... (laughs) If you do another book that I've read, it'll work. (laughs) True. Right? You can just, like, (laughs) scroll through my Goodreads and see if any of them match up with what you're doing. Sounds good. (laughs) So I usually ask our guests what their history with Marissa Meyer is. So I had never heard of her before. And then um, an old somebody who I used to work with, she recommended this book to me. She was like, hey, you have got to read this book. It's called Cinder. And it's really good. And I really think that you'll like it. So I said, okay. And so I got it and I read it. And I was like, this is the most fantastic thing. I absolutely love this. So I, of course, immediately got and read all of the rest of them in that series, including Fairest, too, which I love. And then after that, I was like, well, now I have to see what else that she's written. So then I read the Renegades trilogy. And then I read Heartless, which is just so phenomenal. And I was like, I read Heartless and I was like, she, Marissa Meyer, you just broke broke my heart. <laughs> with this book. But it's fabulous. And it quickly became one of my favorites. So, um, yeah, so I just love her books. And I'm glad that my friend introduced me to her as an author. Yes, thank you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about why Book Chat Podcast? Sure. So I started this podcast not that long ago. Uh, really, I think it was like just in the fall. And um, I just thought, you know what, it would be fun. I love reading all these young adult books. So I just want to have a podcast where I have guests on and I talk about them. So what I do is um, I do try and do a different book each episode unless I have one book that's like super long, like when I did Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series. I had to split War Storm up into three episodes because it's so stinking long. <laughs> it was crazy. But typically, I do one book an episode and I'll have a guest on with me. And I start at the beginning of the episode. I do spoiler free and we'll give, just talk about things in general about the book and the plot line in general. And then I will tell everybody, okay, now I'm going to go into spoilers. And then my guest and I will go into the plot in depth and just kind of discuss the whole plot and what happened and if we like it or not or and what all of our thoughts are on the book. So, yeah. That's really exciting. It's it's so different because I sometimes feel like we rush even just doing one or two chapters at a time. Yeah. So doing a whole book is almost like daunting 
to me <laughs> because there's so many tiny little things I want to talk about and you just can't in that you yeah. know, hour, hour and a half period. So I understand having to break it up sometimes into multiple episodes. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I took one look at Warstorm and was like, there's no way this is going to happen in one episode. There's way <laughs> too much. And, you know, it's funny. It's, I actually um, was thinking about doing an episode where I talk about books that I'm not going to cover on the podcast kind of for that reason, because there's so much in them. Like, I don't know if you've read um, Red Rising by Pierce Brown. Okay. It's really good. It's crazy. There are five books so far and there will be a sixth one. He's writing it. Um, but each book is huge and each book has a ton of stuff that happens in it. So I'm like, there is no way that I could cover these on mine, but I love them. And so I'm just going to do an episode where I talk about different, you know, standalones or different series that I absolutely love, but that I don't feel like I could necessarily do full justice to on my podcast, you know? Well, I'm really excited to have you here today and to talk about Scarlet and the Lunar Chronicles. Yay. First, I actually have a new review that just came in, and I'm really excited about that. And I really like their name. Their name is Slytherin Love. Oh, I like that. That's fun. But it makes me think of, like, Slytherin. Yeah. Like, two separate words. I love that. So they gave <laughs> us five stars, and they said... Love this. You guys have uncovered things for me that I haven't seen before. Once you pointed things out, I realized I missed things. A lot of things. Little missing <laughs> things in a clear reflecting pool. <laughs> Thank you for making my lonely bus rides a whole lot better. Three smiley faces. Thanks again. <laughs> so you're very welcome. Thank you for leaving us a review. I always love getting those. That was great. Yeah. Now we get to talk about the fan art, which I'm so excited yes. about. So this is from Cosmic Nova Flare on Instagram, who has been nice enough to actually share several artworks with us. I have them on the schedule. I'm really excited to start passing those out. So this one is from March 6th, and it's Our Lunar Fugitive Cinder. Hey. It's kind of like a wanted poster, and it's it got is. an ID number, her birthday, her conviction, yeah. two counts of treason, unlawful use of bioelectricity, resisting arrest, illegal immigration. <laughs> Doesn't she also say, but I think that's pushing it or something? Yes, <laughs> she does. But I just love it. It's so pretty. I feel like Cinder's eyes are like haunting almost. Yeah, she almost looks like on the verge of tears. Like they're glistening, you know? Yeah, because she's got like the white specks in her eyes. Yeah. And yeah. I love and that. And the hair, yeah, the hair is a mess. She's covered in grease. Her mm -hmm. lips actually look a little fuller than I, I pictured, but I kind of liked it. And her clothes, you can see like the wrinkles in her, like, oh, I just, I love it so much. I love the, the light and shadow she's got on it. It's just, yeah, it's really great. It's like perfect. I took one look at this and was like, that is absolutely gorgeous. I love that. Yes. yes. And, and I really like her artistic style because yeah. several of her artworks have like a similar style and theme. And I, I really appreciate getting to share this type of stuff. This is one of the things I love most about doing the podcast is that I started doing Fan Art Friday because it's so incredible to see all these different interpretations. And you know, what's yeah. funny is we all have our own imaginations. There's no movies or TV shows to base these people off of. And yet right. we all come up with such similar characteristics for people. Right. Uh, like Dr. Erlon doesn't have a mustache, 
but I always pictured him with one and I kind of thought I was alone <laughs> in that. But I meet so many people that are like, I didn't even realize he didn't have a mustache. I always pictured him that way too. And then I feel like I'm not alone. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, he's def- he definitely, it's funny because he definitely has that air about him, his character where you just kind of feel like he'd be a mustache guy. Like a Gucci Tom Selleck type thing, you know, yes. but, white, but a white yes. version That's yeah. right. or Sam Elliott, you know. Oh, yeah. Because I guess Sam Elliott's like the OG white mustache kind of guy. But yeah, I just I always pictured him that way. And I never got to. That's one of the things I love so much about the podcast. I feel like a year ago, all these ideas and things were just floating around my head by themselves. And now I actually have a way of communicating that with the universe and, and talking to people about it. And I love that so much. Me too. So a big thank you for sharing that with us. And then before we do chapter discussion, our wonderful patrons voted on our chapter titles for chapter 13 and 14 of Scarlet. Nice. So for chapter 13, it's Look What You Made Me Do by Taylor Swift. <laughs> I love it. Yes. I kept thinking that like throughout the whole book, like, because are you familiar with that song? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. I love me some Taylor Swift. Me too. Um, but I was thinking about it, like playing games and how calculated it was. And mm-hmm. she's getting smarter. She's working harder. She's not doing it anymore. And yeah, I loved it yeah. so much. It's perfect. Um, and then chapter 14, She Loves Control by Camila Cabello. Oh. Now, are you familiar with that one? Um, I know some of her music. I'm not sure if I know that song. It's literally like she loves control. She wants it her way. She'll do anything to get her way. She has to be in charge. And I'm like, yep, that's perfect. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) So now we can get into chapter discussion. Yay. Yay. And we're back with Cinder, which is great. Yes, it is. And last time we saw her, she and Thorne were escaping into the clouds. And we start the chapter. She's having a shower, which must be nice. Right. Much, much needed after all that mess and nastiness that they yes. were in. And I got to be like the best. I thought while reading this, I was like, yeah, of course, Thorne is the type of guy that takes like a 45 minute shower. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Like, to be fair, he's covered in excrement, so he might want to stay in there longer. But like, I have a feeling Thorne is just that type of guy that takes like a 30 minute shower and then there's no hot water left. And Oh, yeah, I completely yeah. agree. He totally is. That's, That's definitely. <laughs> so she's drying off her prosthetics and she realizes that they have a protective coating. Yes. because Thank Dr. you, Dr. Erland. So perfect. Give that to her. Yes. And she finds a discarded military uniform. So she gets to have clean clothes and they kind of look like her regular outfit. So she gets to keep her <laughs> uh, fashion style going. Yep. She doesn't have to put on a girly outfit or anything. Yeah. I did get a little sad when I read the line before she'd become a fugitive. Yeah. Because it's almost like she has in her mind this like, and obviously it's it's probably notable, but this before and after part of her life, like before she knew she was Lunar Princess and everything. And yeah. after she learned those parts about herself. Yeah. It's like you're two different people and you have to reconcile that somehow and be yes. one person who is equally both in a way. And try to find a way to be all of those parts of yourself. Right. Yeah. Which try I to think put them is, all together. It's part of being like just human. You know, I, 
I was going to say part of growing up, but I did that when I married someone in the military, too. I started realizing there was another part of myself that I had to find a way to make time and space for. Because people may not realize it, but there's actually a lot of expectation put on spouses. Oh, yes, there is. Because, as you know, my husband's in the military, too. And it's there's definitely a big expectation, like even from him with me, besides other people in the unit, like just with him, sometimes he'd be like, okay, when we go on base, make sure you do this, make sure you do this, make sure you do this. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I know, I know. And then, yeah, just other people around, you know, they have their ideas of what military spouses are like and expectations and all that kind of thing. And stereotypes, I think too. Yeah. 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 I think it puts a lot of pressure on people to create this sort of like I don't want to say persona because that makes it sound fake, but you do have to sort of adopt a certain mannerism, you know, when you're, you know, for example, in the civilian world, talking to my husband's boss, I might, you know, address him as Mr. But if I don't know a rank, I'm saying, sir. Oh, yeah. You know, me too. Me too. Every word out of my mouth is going to be, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Nice to meet you, sir. (laughs) Or ma'am, you know. Right. And that's something I never really did as a child. It wasn't a big deal to use those words. And now it's like, oh, I have to make sure I present myself a certain way, behave a certain way. Don't make awkward jokes or accidentally curse or, you know. Oh, yeah. It's all a reflection on the other person. Exactly. I'm always trying to be really careful about what clothes I wear when I go on base. Like, and I know I'm going to see him and his commander is going to be there. I'm always like, okay, I have to make sure I'm wearing something that's, you know, presentable and not slutty or anything (laughs) you know (laughs) I so I don't work during the day sometimes during the week I'll work at night Mm -hmm. or I have class at night so I'll go to my husband's base during lunch and I'll go to his building and we'll take a walk during his lunch break so he'll be in civilian clothes and I'll be in you know just like regular clothes yeah. And the other day I needed to use the restroom and he was like, well, just come in the building. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm wearing like the wetpants and an old baggy like hoodie yep. that has like probably a, I think there was a stain on the shoulder because I was like, I'm just going for a walk. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And he was like, no, 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 it's fine. I was like, no, no. Mm-mm. What if I accidentally like run into someone and it's my first time meeting them? And then like they have this image in their head of your spouse like (laughs) yeah you don't want that no 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 and cinder has to deal with this is her persona now is that she's she's in an old military uniform but it's not that different from her cargo and t-shirts and she could almost feel like herself yeah if she wasn't a fugitive of the law oh you know what it just made me think of Hmm. um that song all too well by taylor swift the lyric where she says, I'd like to be my old self again, but I can't find it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's how Cinder feels right now. She just wants to be herself, but she doesn't really know who that is anymore. Yeah, I agree. And we have the return of gloves. Yes. The gloves. I finally got to make a little tally in my notebook that the word Yay. gloves was mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> it's not nearly as frequent in this book. <laughs> no, no. But it's funny because, you know, how she... um she like misses her gloves like they're an extension of her. It's almost like it's okay. It's almost like Elsa in Frozen. You know what I mean? Oh. She's never without those gloves. Yeah. 
speaking as the mother of a six and nine year old, you know, I love frozen and I, I taught preschool when frozen first came out and you know, oh, the obsession boy. was insane. These kids were constantly singing those songs. So I totally <laughs> get it. And I like what you said. That is an extension of her. She, that's part of why we started counting it so much and Cinder yeah. because it's just so frequent how often she, uses them or thinks about them or feels incomplete when she doesn't have them. And, you know, now she's missing them and missing her, her former life. And she's looking around and this is her new home. Yep. Like it or not. (laughs) Just a cargo bay full of plastic crates and a cadet who calls himself captain. And (laughs) (laughs) that did make me laugh when she, when she said so-called captain. Oh yeah. I was like, this girl's never going to let him live that down. (laughs) Never. She never will. And I love the second line of the middle paragraph of page 149. Only the faint running lights along the floor were on, and the darkness and the silence, and the knowledge of all the empty space around the ship, stretching out for eternity, gave Cinder the peculiar sensation that she was a phantom haunting a shipwreck. Yes. Oh. I... Love that. I was like, ooh, that is, um, I just love that imagery. Yeah, I love when Marissa Meyer does stuff like this. Like, the sentence starts out so meaningless. (laughs) It's like, okay, all she can see are faint running lights. And then it goes into, like, Edgar Allan Poe type of deep poetic illusion and and you're you're you know you go from oh, okay there's red running lights to feeling the emptiness and loneliness that is overwhelming cinder at the moment yeah it's hauntingly beautiful it is it is <laughs> and she can see earth from the ship yes which i loved i loved um the description too of the earth Well, I mean, she just, she calls it, well, she says, the American Republic and most of the African Union visible beneath the swirling cloud cover. I love that. She just says, doesn't just say cloud cover. She says swirling cloud cover, which gives you even a better visual of it. Yes. And what I thought was interesting is that she said the shores of America and most of the African Union, which means like if if we're thinking about visually where that is on the earth, Mm -hmm. you know, she can barely see probably to the upper left parts of the American Republic. But I want to know, this place is really far in the future. And we already know that the world has been devastated by two world wars since our time. I want to know how many places have sunk. Ooh, that's a good question. Currently, rising sea levels have already taken out several islands and tolls. And right now, there are, like, hundreds in jeopardy. Kiribati, Tavaluva, Maldives, the Florida Keys, the Marshall Islands. Like, there are places all over the world that are just slowly, you Mm -hmm. know, getting lower. And not to start, like, a weird climate change debate, because I'm not about that. (laughs) I'm just saying there's scientific evidence to prove that there's more water on top of the land than under it. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm just curious how much of it's left, because, you know, there's those, um, have you seen those, like, projected images where it'll show like well this is where we think it'll be in 20 years 30 years 50 years and it just slowly shows like less less of the land mass yeah which is kind of (laughs) scary to think about so i'm wondering like 300 years from now are some of those locations even still around probably not i would imagine that there is more land that has been covered by water by this point you know maybe california because it's already yeah 
maybe parts of it. Yeah, I encourage people if you're if you're a little unfamiliar with what we're talking about to Google some rising sea level projection maps and just see what you find because the images are like whoa and it makes me think well we're we assume we're like three to five hundred years into the future so the earth as we know it may look vastly different if you think about maps from 500 years ago which were mostly i mean topography obviously back then wasn't as sophisticated as it is now but they were surprisingly good considering their lack of technology right but she's on the ship and she's looking out and there are so many stars i've always kind of wondered like what it would be like okay so i you know i'm a big Star Wars person, and I love Doctor Who and Doctor um, Who. all these things. Which um, the season finale is coming up on Sunday. I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm just waiting I'm for it. Obsessed with uh, song. Oh my gosh! I love River Song. Me too. I want her to be my best friend <laughs> or mother-in-law. Whatever. I'll take over Amy's position. It's fine. Whatever. Hey, <laughs> um. But I always like, you know, so I watch lots of these kind of shows where they're in the stars and in the heavens. And I always wonder, like, what it would be like to be up there and be in space. And even when I see something on the news about astronauts, I'm like, it has got to be the most amazing sight to be up there in the middle of space and just look out. And all you see are these gorgeous stars and the planets and it's just got to be so breathtakingly beautiful. See, part of me thinks that, oh, yeah, it's got to be gorgeous. But I'm totally okay with seeing digital copies because I have, like, <laughs> I have a fear of being trapped. I used oh, to yeah. think it was claustrophobic. It's not claustrophobic. I can be in a tiny little space, and as long as there's, like, a way out, I don't mind. As okay. soon as my way out, <laughs> as soon as I can't get out anymore, then I start to panic. So... Yeah. Like, I'm okay in an MRI, for example, but if they have to strap you or put the cage in, then I start to freak out. Oh, no. You know? I'm right there with you. Yeah. Like, I think it would be beautiful, but the idea of being trapped in one of those satellites for days on end, no. (laughs) I refused to go up the St. Louis Arch because you had to use an elevator. Oh, and let me tell you, I've done it, okay? It was the most horrid thing <laughs> okay the ele- the elevator I'm using air quotes here okay it's an elevator <laughs> but it's like tiny so it's like an egg shape almost okay and you are crammed in there they cram like there may have been four or five of us in there okay you can't fit a ton of people in there but you're all smushed together like shoulder to shoulder like you're touching each other because it's small and it's like I mean it's not that long of an elevator ride but you're all sitting in there smooshed together no spray no space and I'm everything I remember thinking like are we gonna run out of oxygen in here it's really tiny there's too many of us in here <laughs> and like and then you know we went up and it was like I have to get out of this I have to get out <laughs> and you can't you can't get out of it because you no. still have to use it to get back down yeah I um, that was the worst part and Becca can uh, attest to this because it used to drive most of my coworkers crazy. I used to work at a building where our office was on the 12th floor and I took the stairs <laughs> and I would work out on my lunch break in the basement. So I would take the stairs in the morning and I would take them during lunch and then I would take them after lunch. And then I also wouldn't use this, the elevator at the parking garage. So I had to take three flights of stairs there twice a day. Well, so 
That's some good exercise you're getting there at least. Oh my gosh, I know. My <laughs> boss used to give me such a hard time about it because like we would go, you know, to like the first floor, the second floor to go to like a big meeting and everyone would be waiting for the elevators and I would go to the staircase and she's like, you're really going to take the stairs? I'm like, I'm not getting on that thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's too scary. I have it. Mm-hmm. I'm just, what if it stops? Right. What if it gets stuck and I don't have food or water and I'm left alone with all these people? How long are we going to be here? Maybe they'll cannibalize me. I'm small and easy to like overpower. Like it's paranoia. I'm like, hi, I have paranoia in my head. (laughs) I can't just All right. (laughs) Luckily, luckily Cinder doesn't feel like claustrophobic, but she does say that it feels like suffocating freedom. Yes. Yeah, I like, I love that. She says it's, well, she describes the stars to say it's seemingly so bright and close that it was almost suffocating. And then, yeah, and then she talks about her freedom. And this is something that I wrote down, too, because um, she for so long had wanted to be free from her stepmom and um, all the rules and working and all of this. And then she gets freedom, but it feels different than that than she thought it would probably because she's you know a fugitive but (laughs) I think it's because when she thought about freedom she thought about something so specific she thought about her and Aiko and possibly Peony in Europe right not only does this plan not include Aiko and Peony she's not in Europe and she's not like she kind of went of her own free will, but not to just go on an adventure and start a new life. Like her, her starting a new life is less freedom almost because she's being hunted right. down. Right. It's yeah, it's still a trap. It's still being suffocated in a way. Yeah. And not really. It's not really freedom at all. And, you know, I wanted to tell you now that you brought up Ico. So I listened to a podcast that Marissa Meyer was on and the, the host of it asked her about certain pronunciations. I know it's eco. It's eco. You Okay. I know. Uh, (laughs) It's eco. It's the same as Jason. (laughs) In my head, it's Jason, you know, like Jason, but everybody, including Marissa Meyer says Jason, whatever. whatever. (laughs) It's too long now, you know, it's like, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on, yeah. Yeah. That's how I read it too. And it it's is. like an unusual spelling, so I went with just yeah. That's because why the first time I read these books, there wasn't, there weren't podcasts about. They're still not. We're the only podcast that's obsessed with Marissa Meyer. But I mean, like, there weren't interviews, there weren't podcasts. You couldn't like just YouTube a video or Instagram or something. So right. I didn't know, and it never occurred to me to look it up because I was like, right. oh, it's Ico. And I think in the audiobook because she said Ico, right? Oh, it's spelled. It's spelled with an I, so you wouldn't think that it would be Eco. I think it's supposed to be uh, Japanese. Well, that makes sense, of course. And nothing, I just, <laughs> for some reason, I always had it in my head that it was Eco, and now I don't want to change it. Hey, I'm with you. When she said that, I was like, oh, that kind of changes my whole thing. Nope, I'm still going to think of it as Eco. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like, oh, um, but in I my feel head, like you just pulled the rug out from under me. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Said, that's fine. I'm so like I was listening to um, an audiobook the other day for uh, to 
Ken Dare, I'm reading through um, the Three Dark Crown series by Ken Dare Blake. And I had like two chapters left. And I was on my lunch break. So I just listened to the audiobook version of it. And in my, when I read it, I, there's Catherine. It's spelled Catherine. Okay. Okay. The narrator pronounced it Katarine. I was like, what? <laughs> but that's, mm, no. <laughs> I don't you know. know. What? Names are funny, like... though, because, yeah. like, my name is Bethany. <laughs> it's spelled like Bethany. <laughs> if you ask my mother, she will tell you salt to the grade that my name is Bethany. Oh. And she oh. will correct you if you mispronounce <laughs> it. She will say, no, it's Bethany. And I'm like, okay, then here's what you should have done. Made it two separate words or <laughs> added an extra in. Right. Because I'm actually, I'm named after a couple of her friends who passed away while she was pregnant with me, Elizabeth and Annabelle. Oh, Beth okay. And E. That so it's like, sense. okay, if that's your, and I, I, I've, I've had this conversation with her a thousand times. I'm like, okay, so you either should have done Bethann. Right. Two ends or made it two completely separate names. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Parents. Right. It's just we... one of those things. It's it's like whenever um, it's part of why with Instagram, I'm, I have to like message people and like, OK, what pronoun do you use? Because like right? I can't tell by looking at some of these names, you know? No. Yeah. What's interesting to me about Aiko is that her chip survived. Yes. And I was so happy about that because I was really hoping I'm like, okay, so it gave Cinder something to hold on to, first of all. And then I was like, okay, well, maybe she can still do something with the chip later. I don't know. But so I was happy that um, Cinder was able to salvage her chip. I also thought it was she said that her compartment was searched. And I thought it's really lucky because having an extra ID chip. You would think they would see that as like, okay, that's an opportunity to like, I don't know, change your identity or something. Right. But she said it's kind of sounds like they scanned it because they must have seen extra chips and thought it was useless. Yeah, because maybe they thought like it was part of um, her programming because it was she had it like into the wiring. That was really smart. So she could she could save those little pieces of her before life. So she still has Ico, Peony, and the DCOM chip. Yeah. And she says she also doesn't regret anything. Yes. And we get like a little bit of some recap here about, you know, the DCOM chip, where it came from, what it represents, and everything with Kai and Lavana and, and kind of how she got to where she is. And the, her life is a little of a mess right now, which she says, <laughs> but <laughs> she's a lunar She's the lost princess. Like, she's thinking about how she would even be able to tell Peony all of this stuff. Right. Because Peony never got to know that she's a lunar, a lost princess, that she's, you know, the emperor's crush and dance partner, that she almost kissed him. Yeah. I mean, (sighs) and then, and then I love cadet slash captain's entrance Mm -hmm. into the chapter like we're going through this inner monologue (laughs) with cinder where she is sad and suffocating and a fugitive and she misses her former life and she's kind of like brooding and he's like ew is that an id chip (laughs) (laughs) and i just break the mood thorn (laughs) (laughs) and that's why i like this character so much not to like 
be a broken record because I say it so often, but he's <laughs> just a- such good comic relief, and these books get so serious. <laughs> you need you need to have that person who is a good comic relief. Yes, like yes. this, you know. It just yeah, it helps, and he is definitely that, and I absolutely love it. Yes, and I thought it was interesting, like maybe not interesting. I'm totally on his side when he's like, "Well, you made me get rid of mine." Yes, yes. Like, you like, made me minute. cut it out. You cut. Uh, you made me let you cut it out of my arm. So why do you have that? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel that he's he is absolutely right to be justified in that feeling right there. Yeah, and he picks up on it very quickly, and I felt so bad. I was reading this, and it's not funny at all. I want to make it clear that I don't think Peony's death is funny, because I don't want listeners to hear this and get the wrong impression. It's just, for some reason, as soon as, like, as soon as Thorne was like, doesn't she need it? My brain was like, no, because she's dead. Right. Like, but in the tone of that, look what you made me do song. Oh, because she's dead. Yes. And I felt, felt, as soon as that happened, I was like, no, no, no. I'm supposed to be really upset right now. Hey, you know what that reminded me, reminds me of too, is like in, have you seen Frozen 2? Yes. Okay. So Olaf, when he's describing, uh, he recaps what happens in the first movie. And then he says, at least I still have their parents. Their parents are dead. I get, (laughs) that was the funniest part to me. And I'm laughing hysterically. Like I had tears rolling out of my eyes because I was laughing so hard, but I'm like, but it's not funny because their parents are dead. And that's really sad, but it's funny because it's Olaf and the way that he said it. One of the things that's like great about life is coming to the realization that it's okay to have certain emotions, even if you don't necessarily think that they're, you know, like, I'm willing to share that. I'm not ashamed that I had that moment in my brain. It wasn't necessarily appropriate. And I realized that, but that was just my brain's way of, you know, word recognition. (laughs) Word association. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So Thorne pops in and he's actually doing a really good job of being sympathetic. It's kind of surprising. It is. Yeah. He's nice. He does. He gives her a good bit of sympathy because he asks her, um, you know, why she has it. And then she says it's his, her sister's. And then he's like, don't tell me she's a runaway convict, too. Doesn't she need it? And then he sees that she pauses and, you know, takes a moment and kind of has a sad look. And he's like, oh, you know, and says he's sorry, which is really sweet. And it, you know, it definitely feels like he was very sincere in that moment. And I think we, as the reader, don't really know Thorne very well. So it's easy to think that he would not feel comfortable having this conversation that he would be like, Oh, she's, she's dead. Sorry. And then awkward silence. And then everybody moves on, but he doesn't. Right. He says, he's sorry. He's kind of like, well, well, how long ago? And then she says, well, she was only 14. The plague, you know, like he continues the conversation with her and allows her maybe even her first opportunity to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, So she tells him about the androids who run the quarantines. Now, when that happened on Cinder, we talked about how were these androids programmed to do those things. And we both had theories. Ashley thought maybe they were manufactured that way. They came off the lot that way. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe there was like some kind of update that had like a programming virus. Yeah. I would think I would kind of be more along that lines too, where maybe it wasn't in their 
initial programming, but then once the plague hits and all this starts happening, then maybe they were reprogrammed for to do that. Because also, I don't really know, I don't know the extent of this ID chip confiscation. You know, do they do this at right. hospitals when someone passes away? Right. Is the emperor's ID chip somewhere out there? Is it like... Some hackers hacking. Can they hack into the robot somehow? I mean, yeah. And and know. these are just quarantine Medroids, right? But they're just regular Medroids. It's it's most likely that they're regular Medroids that were reprogrammed and put to work in the quarantines. I don't think it's likely that they were like, okay, well, we need a quarantine. Let's make a bunch of robots just for the quarantine. You know? Yeah. No, they're probably regular ones that were put there. I agree. Yeah. So now we get a description of what Thorne looks like after he showers. Yes. And I love it because she says he he cleaned up well. And I'm like, oh, she's taking notice of him. She is taking <laughs> notice. Looks. I mean, we do get told he's an attractive man, but I do. Even I even Kai it. was like, oh, I'm a little worried. Couldn't she be with an uggo? <laughs> yeah. He's so his hair was neatly man. trimmed. He was clean shaven and he smelled like very expensive soap. I love that. I love it. He does like his soap. <laughs> yes. He was sporting a well-worn leather jacket with a single medallion pinned onto the collar. The rank of captain. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Oh, man. He's like, oh. he's like Han Solo. You know, he's just got that oh, yeah. look about him. You know, it's almost like um, it kind of reminds me of the scene in Top Gun where they're like walking and they take the sunglasses (laughs) off. (laughs) Because they think they're so cool. They do. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. We get a little bit more information about they have this conversation kind of like what we just did where they talk about, well, you know, don't the androids belong to the government property? Like, aren't they government property? Why would they be programmed? Because that's what... Thorne says, he says, why would the government program androids to harvest ID chips? I love the word harvest there. Great word choice. Yeah. And she says, well, maybe, maybe they just like wipe them clean and recirculate them, you know, like recycle. Yeah. Here's what bothered me. (laughs) She said, if the public ever found out their loved one's identities were being erased, there would be an uproar. I kind of feel like there would also be an uproar if they found out their IDs were being sold off to fugitives and criminals. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think both, <laughs> like, both ways. I'd be mad. I <laughs> Either way. Be, I would almost be more upset that their identity was being, you know, stolen and impersonated rather right. than just like erased. That's just me personally. Yeah. I don't want somebody out there with my sister's name. And, no. and identity and stuff. You know, no. like my sisters have very common names. Ivy, Lindsay, Samantha. Those aren't like super uncommon. You know, it's not like Cinder right. or Peony where you don't hear them very often. But I don't want someone to have their actual identity. Right. So shout no, out to anyone either. with those names. Sorry, I just said that they were common. But they, they're <laughs> common in the sense that they're not unheard of. Right. Yeah, because I don't mean that derogatively. <laughs> no, no, no. So she's sitting there and she wishes she could talk to Kai. Yeah. And Thorne is like, uh, are you like some kind of chip hoarder? <laughs> I love that line. Because she has another chip that belongs to an Android friend of hers. Yeah. Nancy. How do you how do you say that one? I say Nancy. Okay, that's what I said too. All right. Yeah. Works for me. 
Yeah. Yeah, she's got that one and the... And Eureka! She's... Idea! I love it so much. She's like, I'm just keeping them safe until I figure out what to do with them. Eventually, I'll need to find a new body for Aiko, something she can... That's it! Oh, here it is! (laughs) She's so happy. She's like, oh, snap, I found it. I know what I'm going to do. Yay! So she starts crawling around this ship. She she tells Thorne that they need a new auto-control system, right? And Aiko is an auto-control system. All androids are. Perfect. And she says... (laughs) <laughs> She's used to the functionality of a much smaller body, but how different can it be? And Thorne goes, like, um, I'm going to guess really different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. I wrote that down because I was like, oh, that's just, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. So she needs an adapter. So she just kind of makes one. Yeah. And uh, we get this other moment where the captain is like, still not very familiar with the ship he loves so much like (laughs) which is funny it's his ship and he's like uh what are you doing down there the dust what we don't need a dust vacuum do we a what (laughs) what is that (laughs) and then she puts it in and all the lights come on and she's like hmm because then because it she, I love this. It gets um, exciting. She gets exciting because it says the system lit up. The sound of an internal diagnostics check familiar to Cinder's ear. Her heart was palpitating to think that she wouldn't be alone anymore, that she could succeed in rescuing at least one person who mattered to her. And I, I love that because she feels bad because of what happened to Peony and everything at the ball. And then here she is like, she can have Ico back and she can rescue her. And I love that her heart was palpitating because she was so excited about it. Yeah, and I love the line that she she could succeed in rescuing at least one person who mattered to her. Yeah, yeah. she couldn't save her sister. And I, I feel bad because, you know, she's obviously overwhelmed with this feeling of loneliness, but she's not alone. She's got Thorne now, but obviously there's nothing there. There's no connection. I mean, right. You know, they're just t- two people who happen to both be on the run and be of use to each other. Yeah. And now she gets to have an actual confidant and companion that she's close to. And so she she sets everything up and she's just into the void. Aiko? Cinder? Hoping. She can't see anything, but she feels funny. (laughs) That's what she says. She said, Cinder, something's wrong with my vision sensor. I can't see you. And I feel funny. (laughs) yeah i go is so confused she's been out for two weeks which is kind of similar to how long kai's android nancy was out yeah it is that's right she was out for about and it's the same thing like she you know comes back and has no recollection of time that was lost Right. And Cinder says she can sense Aiko all around her because Aiko is kind of communicating through this ship subconsciously. Yes. And then, well, okay, but then we kind of get kind of a sad point because she, because then Aiko kind of remembers something that she wants to tell Cinder. And she says, oh, Cinder, Cinder, you know, where were you all day? Adria's furious and peony. And then it says Cinder's words dried up. And then Aiko says she's dead. Um, you know, Adri received a call from the quarantines and Cinder stared dumbly at the wall. I know, Iko. That was two weeks ago. And then she tells her, you know, how long it's been. So it's kind of like yeah. a soft, sad moment there for a second, just reliving it again. But 
Because to her, it's been seconds, you know? Right. Like, Audrey dismantled her, like, immediately after getting that calm. So, right. to she her, it's know. been seconds. She, she doesn't know anything that's happened to Cinder in the last two weeks. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. I yeah. do love the line about Thorne feeling like there was a poltergeist in his ship. Yeah. Because I love the use of the word poltergeist in that situation. So do situation. I. It was perfect. <laughs> Looking like a poltergeist had just taken over his beloved Rampion. <laughs> okay. I do have to say, though, what comes next is one of my favorite parts in the chapter. Because Iko says, Cinder, I'm enormous <laughs> like when she realizes yes the size of the ship and then and then she goes on you know she's like no hands no visual sensors humongous landing gear she's like are those supposed to be my feet <laughs> and then, i'm hideous <laughs> did you ever watch freaky friday yes it makes me think of the moment <laughs> when Jamie Lee Curtis is like, oh, I'm like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm old. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's immediately what I started hearing in my head when she was like, I'm hideous. <laughs> what I love, too, though, is after she says she's hideous, Thorne comes in and is like, whoa, whoa, hold on a minute there. He says, little miss disembodied voice. What do you mean, idiot? <laughs> Little I Miss, love them. I love that him so sassy, like Little Miss disembodied voice. Yep, he is so snappy right now. Idiot. I he's love so, it. He's so defensive about his. He ship. has to defend his girl. Yeah, and I love, love, love that Aiko is just like Cinder. She's like, mm, this doesn't say captain. It says yep. cadet. <laughs> This doesn't I say Captain Carswell Thorne. Uh, it says Cadet yeah. Carswell Thorne. <laughs> <laughs> but then Aiko is so boy crazy. She loves Thorne yes. so much. You're handsome. rather handsome, Captain Thorne. <laughs> and I love it says Cinder groaned. She's like, oh gosh. <laughs> I could just like, visualize this with Cinder like, what are you doing? Stop it. Don't make his head any bigger than it already is. <laughs> right? Like he doesn't need this. <laughs> he need and any- they're almost flirting. It's so cute. Yes. And then she's like trying to blush by turning up the heat. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> <sighs> and then Iko. So Iko. But am I really pretty? Even mm-hmm. as a ship? The prettiest. You do have a naked lady painted on your port side. Yeah. And Thorn is so proud. Painted her myself. Oh. And then she flickers the lights and it glows, makes it glow. (laughs) (laughs) And she tells Aiko, she says, this is only temporary, but in the meantime, I need you to help me figure out what's wrong with the ship. And she's like, well, I could run a full system check, but why are we on this spaceship again? And with a convicted felon? No offense, Captain Thorne. Yeah. <laughs> basically like, all right, get comfy. This is a hell of a story. <laughs> like, she's almost hesitant to tell it just because she knows how long it'll take to tell it and how yes. like <laughs> how much information she has to provide is just like daunting to her. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to tell. <laughs> there is. There's a lot to tell. But we have the return of Iko, which is one of my favorite hey. A catches that we've ever had. I love it. I love it. That made me so happy when I read that. So there are six captains in this chapter, one glove, and four eggs. 
Nice. So my chapter title that I picked is Gift of a Friend by Demi Lovato, because I feel like the lyrics kind of mirror how happy and comforted Cinder is to have I go back. Yes. So what did you pick for your song title? Okay, so I picked Space Oddity, and it's a song by David Bowie, and I love it because he talks about a rocket ship taking off and how there's stars all around, um, and so I thought that was very appropriate since they're, you know, they're in the Rampion, and Cinder talks about all the stars and seeing them all and what that means to her. That's a good yeah. one. Did yeah. you pick a favorite quote? I did pick a favorite quote. I actually, um, I picked, it was funny with, I picked the one that you picked and then I saw it on your notes and I was like, oh, I have to pick a different one. (laughs) (laughs) That actually happens all the time though. So I'm not surprised. (laughs) So I ended up picking, um, the one with the stars. So she sees, like I said, you know, earlier she sees, um, the earth outside and then it says and beyond it stars so many stars swirling and misting into countless galaxies they were both beautiful and terrifying billions of light years away and yet seemingly so bright and close it was almost suffocating that is really i just loved that imagery that's one of the things that she's the most talented at is her imagery yes so i picked only the faint running lights along the floor were on and the darkness, and the silence, and the knowledge of all the empty space around them. Same thing, imagery. (laughs) (laughs) The whole thing. I just love it. I, You know what? I think I want to include all of that. I I cut my thing short because I thought maybe it was too long, but I want all of it. Only the faint running lights along the floor were on, and the darkness, and the silence, and the knowledge of all the empty space around the ship, stretching out for eternity, gave Cinder the peculiar sensation that she was a phantom haunting a shipwreck. That is so beautiful and so tragic. It is. It is. It's just, I literally, like I was reading it and I just had to stop for a second after I read that quote. I was like, oh my gosh, that is gorgeous. I just love it. Yeah. It's one of those moments when you're reading where you're like, okay, I just need to take a breath. Right? Yeah. So now we get to do chapter 16. Yay. And we're back with Scarlet. We last saw her kick her dad off the farm. And Wolf (laughs) agreed to accompany her to Paris to find her grandmother. Yep. So here we go to find Grammy. Granny. Grandmire. The patrons and I spent a very long time discussing where in the world this town of Ryu is. Because there is actually a town named Ryu with this spelling and ah. it is not in a good location for this to make sense. Okay. Because it's like nine hours south of Toulouse. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> well, maybe Marissa so we just wondered, really liked that name. Well, we wondered if it's a very common name. You know, kind of like how mm-hmm. there's a Springfield in almost every state. Yeah. And so maybe it's meant to be a fictional town. That's possible. Because obviously, like, Toulouse and Paris are not fictional, but right. it's possible that Ryu is supposed to be some close, small farm town. Because also, the Ryu that we found online is, like, 44,000 people. That's not a small farm town. No, it's not. <laughs> I grew up in a, in a big farm town, and it was 7,000 people. And my parents lived in a small farm town, and it was 200. Oh, so, that is really small. I'm picturing it kind of in the middle. You know, like the, yeah. the town they grew up in had a Casey's. Do you know what a Casey's is? Because nobody down here does. Oh, I don't. It's a gas station. They have the best breakfast pizza in the universe. Right. Um, 
So they had a Casey's gas station, a post office, and a bar. Oh. <laughs> the three life essentials. Somewhere you can All get right. pizza and cigarettes. Somewhere you can get beer. Somewhere you can get packages. <laughs> well, they're all set. That's all you need. That is all you need. They have to take a hover to two Laos. And apparently mm-hmm. it's really pricey because it costs almost all of her deposit from Gilles account. Yeah. That's a lot. That is a lot. And she is kind of staring at Wolf across the hover. And she's coming to this realization that she should be kind of terrified. Yeah. She really just doesn't feel threatened or in danger at all when she's around him which is interesting because like five hours ago she had a shotgun to his face right and she's still got her pistol with her it's in her back she's got her pistol about how hard it would be to use it right now right but yeah but she does say um where is that i'm looking for it oh (laughs) here but it was impossible to feel threatened by the semi-stranger across from her yeah i mean that one sentence like She's thinking she's thinking about having her pistol and what she's going to do, what he can do. He could have pinned and half choked her before she loosened the gun from her waistband, like if she were to try. And then she says, but it's impossible to feel threatened by him. So (laughs) it's like he's got he's got these two sides to him. You know, he's got this violent fighting side to him. And then he's got a side that she's more apt to trust. And right now he's the side that she wants to trust because he's just. He's obsessed with the French countryside. He still can't sit still. But I love the line of almost childlike fascination. Yes. This is really fun. Um, Like reading this chapter and the previous chapters with Wolf because it's fun watching him discover things for the first time that he hasn't before. Like the tomatoes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it's it's interesting the way that she, you know, kind of makes it like living in the city is preventing him from knowing all these things. Like, right. it's weird that that would prevent him from knowing a tomato and right? from seeing countryside. But that's what he tells Scarlet. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, you know, it kind of makes sense because some people don't travel outside of like they're born somewhere and they're raised there and they never leave you know what I mean so they don't know anything different they're um set in a specific environment and they don't leave they don't try anything different they don't ever feel the need to so they don't and so that's kind of all they know so then if they were thrust into a different um area a different arena they would be probably have culture shock in a way because there would be all these different things like oh like like with wolf Yeah. And again, when you go from, you know, being like a regular civilian to a spouse, I feel like that's kind of the same thing. You know, you grow up a certain way. And my dad was in the military. He was in the Navy, but he was in the Navy during Desert Storm and the Gulf War. He got out when I was like five. He was in the Navy during a Gulf War. I mean, he was gone. Like he would be gone for like eight months, home for four months, gone for you know, nine months yeah. home for three months. And he said at one point he came home and we didn't even recognize him. And this was before we had Skype and phone conversations and, you know, stuff yeah. like that. And when you're on a ship, you're on a ship. Right. I know <laughs> if you guys, if you, if for some reason you can't make it into port, you're not talking to anybody. Right. Nope. But that's part of why he got out was because it was just, it was, it got to be too hard to be away from his children and going from like living in the small farm town that I grew up in to 
living in places where there's a military base where the population is so much bigger. Yeah. It's almost daunting. Like when we first moved to Offit, everyone was like, oh, don't worry. It's a small town. It'll, you know, it'll be really easy for you guys to transition. This place has like five McDonald's, a Target. <laughs> I used to have Ooh. to drive 45 minutes to get to a Target because oh, what funny. my town had was one of the OG Walmarts. And okay. I mean, I mean, gray building with a yellow smiley face and it didn't even have groceries. <laughs> it was just like before. Remember when Walmart didn't yeah. have groceries? That's yeah. what it was. And an IGA, which is it's yeah, a grocery store. It's a grocery store. We have them down here, too. So it's, it's like I come from that and we move and they're like, yeah, it's a small town. Don't worry. And I'm like. Uh, no. It takes like 20 <laughs> minutes to get from one end to the other in a car. <laughs> I not- could walk from one end of my town to the other in 20 minutes. <laughs> that is a small town. And everybody's like, well, it feels like a small town. There are multiple high schools. <laughs> like, you don't all even go to the same school. This is not a small space, you know? <laughs> yep. And Everybody's- so I can't. I can imagine going from like a place you're not used to to a place that seems like it could be, you know, it's like it's just a couple states over. How different could it be? Turns out very. Same with moving down here. Growing up in the Midwest and then moving to the South, it's like they get three days off of work and school. Like businesses and schools close for Mardi Gras. They do where you are? They don't do that where I am and I'm in South Carolina. But but to me that's strange. Mardi Gras is not something that's celebrated oh, it, in the Midwest. It is. It it is to me too. You know, so it's like <laughs> it's like you said. It's a bit of a culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. So Wolf is having his culture shock. He's absolutely entranced by yeah. these beautiful rolling farmlands. Yeah. And Scarlet's trying to figure out which part of him is really hip. Right. Which part is the lie? Which part is is real? Yeah. So she starts asking him, like, where are you from? And he says, here, France. (laughs) You look like you've never seen a cow before. Oh, well, no, not here. Not Ryu. I'm from the city. And she says Paris. And he just nods. And his leg is still. Yes, bouncing up and down nervously. (laughs) She's really skeptical of him. And she gets super annoyed because he's so jittery. Yes. (laughs) She puts her hand (laughs) <laughs> on his knee and is like you're driving me crazy and then he hitters when she touches him yeah I just thought it was funny that she did that though she's like because that's something I could totally see myself doing to somebody because like to my husband because I would totally do the same thing to him and be like can you stop you're driving me nuts right now <laughs> like, you know what's funny did you know that there's actual scientific evidence to prove that having that kind of nervous energy mm-hmm does burn calories what really people who cannot sit still who constantly fidget actually are more active and burn more calories than people who are 100 sedentary so like if you're the type of person where you're constantly jiggling your foot or you know i used to have a girl in my preschool class who if she sat down she would kind of just wiggle and squirm in her chair <laughs> And yeah. she, she did it at home, too. I went to babysit once, and her dad was like, does she do that at school? I was like, yep, because she would sit at the dinner table, and she would just kind of squirm. Yeah. Like, she literally yeah. just could not sit still. That There is scientific evidence to prove that that burns calories. So huh. if you're the type of person who sits still, <laughs> maybe wiggle, 
channel your inner wolf and tap your foot a little bit. Yeah, burn those calories. <laughs> but they talk about how they neither one of them likes Paris. And she says, well, how did you end up in Rio of all places? Yeah. He says he just wanted to get away. So he took the maglev and just started following the fight. Yeah. But they Which, both say, I mean, yeah. Well, and then he said it's small, but it draws a good crowd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they both talk about how they haven't really missed Paris. Yeah. And then I really, really, really love this because I've been on long car rides and long plane rides with semi strangers. And I love that she does like a little cut here. Because to me, that means that they had like a couple minutes conversation and then it kind of slowly dissipated back into silence. Right. Which is what happens normally. Like when you're on an airplane, you know, and you have to sit next to somebody and you might chit chat for a little bit at first and then you kind of stop after a bit. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So now they're at the station and it's obnoxiously bright. I I noticed that, too. (laughs) So Scarlett has a permit so she can carry her gun on the train. And I did a little research. At the moment, you cannot have a gun on a train even if you have a permit in Paris. So I wonder if the law changed in the future or if that law changed after she wrote this book or if I think about this stuff way too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hmm. I live in a world where I'm conscious of guns, you know, because we have to be and I'm not really one way or the other. I just want people to be safe. But there's so much uproar in our country and division on guns that I feel like even just the word is kind of triggering. So I see this and I'm like, wait, she can just walk onto a train with a gun if she has a permit. And then I'm like, well, yeah, you can walk anywhere in certain places in the country if you have a permit. Texas, you can do whatever you want with a gun there. (laughs) Walk wherever you want with it. And there's lots of like states and and areas that are like, it makes me think of that um, movie, Miss Cageniality, when she's like, this is Texas. Everybody has a gun. My florist (laughs) has a gun. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. So. So maybe in the future, though, because of the way the world is going, it's it's okay. You can then have it. Yeah, maybe. I kind of like the way they describe the maglev tunnels because it reminds me of a subway. Me too. Yeah, there's graffiti and old posters. And I kind of picture like garbage and debris. And maybe there's like a couple struggling musicians with hats and open guitar cases. And, you know, there's a Phoebe Buffet in the corner somewhere. Oh, my God. Please please tell me she's singing Smelly Cat somewhere. That makes me so happy. (laughs) They're starting to wait for the train, and Wolf yeah. sits beside her, and he's back to twitching. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and she's bored, so she pulls out her phone, which I love, yes. because that's so something we do. Yep. Now, I personally exactly always have do. a book with me, so I'm one to pull out my book. You know, like today yeah. I had to go to the physical therapist's office and my appointment started at 930 and they didn't get to me until 950 and I read my book. So, hey, there you go. Yeah, I can't imagine sitting on my phone for that long. I would have gotten so stressed out. I need to so, bring my books with me more places. I always take a book because I'd rather do that than be on my phone. <laughs> yeah. So he kind of reciprocates what she did. She starts to jitter yep. and he uses the pad of his finger 
I love it because she puts her whole palm on his knee and then he is like, it's like he wants to stop her because that's what she did to him, but he's afraid to touch her. So he just uses the little tip of his finger. He I just love like it. barely touches her. I think that's so funny though. And then he it like is. immediately pulls away. He's like, sorry. Yeah. And, and she's like, well, I don't really know what he's apologizing for. And it's like, I don't know, touching you without consent, maybe. <laughs> that would be yeah. my only guess. Or maybe he's sorry that he startled her. I think it could be either one. You know, I don't know. Maybe he wasn't, maybe, I don't know, maybe he thought since she did it to him, it was okay for him to do to her. But because she reacted the way that she did, he just thought he was then like, oh, maybe that's not okay. I shouldn't have touched you. I don't know. Right. But then he kind of whips his head at something. Yeah. And she asks him what's wrong, but he doesn't, um, he doesn't respond. But I love this sentence that it says the strain. And so um, they announce after she asks him what's wrong, he doesn't respond. And then the loudspeakers announce that their train is coming. And it says the strain and Wolf's muscles fell away and he bounded to his feet. I just, because then it looks like enables you to like really picture how, um, how like tense he really was because, you know, just envisioning the strain that he's got there. And the way that it falls away is almost eerie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that it falls away like that and he just kind of walks off. <laughs> like, no yeah. big deal. So Scarlet starts to look around. She's trying to figure out why he would have been so uncomfortable and freaked out and everything. All she saw was a man in a business suit, another man in torn jeans and a sweater, and a mother mm-hmm. guiding a hovering carriage with one hand. Oh, I bet all the moms out there are like, hell yeah, we got hovering carriages. Actually, do you want to know what my first thought was? Have you watched The Mandalorian? No. Oh, okay. Well, The Mandalorian is um, a show set in Star Wars world that's on Disney Plus. And oh, okay. have, you, have you heard everybody talking about Baby Yoda? Like all the Baby Yoda yeah. stuff? Okay, yeah. so Baby Yoda is in that show. And he has a hovering carriage. Oh, my gosh. Like a covering so baby seat. So as soon as I read that, that was the first thing I thought I was like, so it's they a mother with Baby Yoda. He's they hovering. owe Marissa Meyer, like, intellectual <laughs> property rights. <laughs> I thought that. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Disney stole that from her. Ooh. Right? <laughs> so they get on the train, and everything is very synchronized. It's all run by a very well-programmed androids and, and everything. And Scarlett feels like she's finally on her way. She's finally doing something productive. She's not standing yeah. still anymore. She's not doing nothing. She's on her way. Yep. This is where I get a little confused. This okay. private train car is just, like, open. No ticket needed. No extra money. Yeah. You don't have to reserve it. It's got a TV, a bunk bed, and a desk. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, okay, so nowadays, if you get on a train and you want to have a private car like that, you have to pay extra for it and reserve it. Have your special ticket. So I was like, but apparently they don't need to do that on these trains. Maybe, maybe they're just like that. I don't know. Like, that's, I mean... I mean, good for them that they just walked in and found a really good <laughs> compartment. Right. <laughs> so she says, like, well, what do you like to watch on TV? And he doesn't watch TV. Nope. He's like, eh. And then and she, she says, eh, me either. She's trying so hard to make small talk and, yeah. you know, and I was like, well, y'all were supposed to spend the train ride coming up with a plan. 
So yeah, and they still haven't done that. <laughs> they haven't done anything. I want to focus on that. Okay, maybe because I just watched the Taylor Swift documentary, which was very focused on like distortion of media and how detrimental media can be, especially, mm-hmm. unfortunately, especially talk shows. Right. You know, and not all talk shows are create. We can't all be, you know, Alan, where it's like just please be kind to one another. Right. So the gossip reporters and empty caddy words. Yes. Oh, I loved that. So did I, because as soon as I read it, I was like, yep, that is so true. It's so true because that is what you see. That is what we see all the time now on TV and all these talk shows. And yeah, with like the exception of Ellen. And it's so disappointing because in the future, we're in the future and they're still like, they're just talking about. This girl's life is on the line, which is basically what Scarlett gets at, too. Like, she's about to be executed. All they care about is her outfit. Yep. Her gown, her hair, the grease stains on her gloves, and how it's so tragic. And then they're like, too bad they don't have any department stores in space because that girl could use a serious makeover. And they're all laughing about it, you know. And then Scarlett Scarlett defends her, you know, that poor girl's going to be executed and everyone's just making jokes about her. And then Wolf's like, that's the second time I've heard you defend her. Because even in the future, they're obsessed with vanity. And Wolf is picking up on it. Mm -hmm. He's picking up on her proclivity to help the less fortunate or people that she sees as less fortunate. Right. And I love, okay, I'm not going to get political on this podcast. I'm just going to (laughs) say amen. Ridiculous propaganda the media would have us believe. Oh, yes. Yes, queen. Uh, Let me tell you, I was loving that statement right there, too. I was like, oh, this is like this chapter has and it's got multiple times where she makes statements like that. And I loved it because then she also says, well, I try to think for myself rather than to buy into all this stuff. And it's so perfect. It's so perfect. (laughs) I love it. We're surrounded by Yes. And like I said, I'm not going to get political on this podcast. That's not what it's about. You know, fact check your news sources. Don't believe everything you read. And and again, not to draw too much time on it, but a lot of what Taylor Swift's documentary is about is media distortion and propaganda and how ridiculous it is, how much control the media has over people. So just, you know, be cautious of what you read. Is all I'm saying. So Scarlett's a very empathetic person and the train takes off and her and Wolf are having this conversation because she says, well, all they're doing is criticizing her. They don't even know her. They do. We even know she did anything. And here they have almost two different versions of what happened. Yeah, because Wolf says shots were fired at the ball. Some believe the girl meant to start a massacre and that it's a miracle. No one was hurt. And Scarlett says, some people have also said she was there to assassinate Queen Lavana, and wouldn't that have made her a hero? <laughs> yep. Those are two different situations. Okay, you know what that kind of reminds me of in a weird way? Okay, it's like in the movie Mean Girls, when Katie, um, okay, so everybody thinks that Katie pushes the one, Regina in front of the bus. Yeah. She pushes Regina in front of the bus, and some people are like, I'm voting for Katie for homecoming queen because she pushed Regina in front of the bus. And other, you know, cause like, yay, she got Regina George and other people are like, well, no, you know, that's not okay. Like it's the same. Like some people were happy that she did it. And some people were like, how could she do that? You know, I'm beating a dead horse. 
Taylor's not the only one to come out with a documentary like this. Demi Lovato came out with one called Simply Complicated. Beyonce's homecoming video talked a lot about media distortion and the effect it has on people. And that's kind of what this is, you know, like everybody has a different version of what happened, but when the media gets a hold of it, they have the opportunity to spin it any way they want to. Exactly. Any way they want to. And, you know, Scarlett's just like, well, we shouldn't be jumping to conclusions. Everyone is overreacting. Yeah. You know, and Wolf is like, Scarlett's like, okay, she's only 16. Everyone's overreacting. And scratching behind his ear, which I love. I love. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> there have been cases of lunars as young as seven years old being found guilty of murder. Whoa. Right? Like seven. Seven. So again, I did my research. Mm, okay good (laughs) the youngest I found and please correct me if you find younger is eight and it actually wasn't just one eight-year-old okay and I don't mean that like eight-year-olds were accomplices together I mean that in multiple multiple. that in multiple cases that had no connection to each other time or location or anything eight-year-olds were found guilty of murder in the United States that's that's scary and disturbing and I can't even like I don't even want to fathom that I can't oh it's that's really the disturbing. Michael Myers right there that's for sure yeah Ugh. and Scarlett's like well she didn't murder anybody this is perfection <laughs> I didn't murder Hunter last night but that doesn't make me harmless yep Clap, 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 clap. That's right. That's right. I love that line. I was like, ooh. And then she's like, he's so transparent. He's so self aware. Which is great. Yes. Good because he says he started fighting at 12 for status. 12's pretty young to be in a street gang. That's that makes me think of like the outsiders and pony boy and stuff. Yes, it does. It happens though. Kids get in gangs younger and younger. Which is really sad. It makes you wonder, like, how he got into the gang, because he doesn't really give that. No. What he says is, she says for money, and he says no for status. I'd only been in the pack a few weeks, but it became clear very fast that if you didn't fight, if you can't defend yourself, then you're nothing. You're tormented and ridiculed. You practically become a servant, and there's nothing you can do about it. The only way to prevent becoming an Omega is to fight and to win. That's why I do it. That's why I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. And Scarlett has the realization Omega, like in a real wolf pack, like what she just read when she was on her port screen. Right. Because she was reading about all that. And um, yeah. And then what's fun too is then he says, you know, I saw how afraid of me you were and not even just afraid, but revolted. And you were right to be. But and then he said, but you said you like to have the full story before judging and try to understand. So that's my story. So I like that he was Still just like. I feel like that's the full story. I want to oh, know what you're so doing either. in a gang at 12 years old. Like, <laughs> where are your parents? Right? Why are you in a gang? <laughs> but at least he's like disclosing some information to her, even if it's not everything. Some is better than none. She's got a little and, bit there. And like said, he's very transparent. He's self-aware. And that makes him a little bit more trustworthy, I think. Yeah, I agree. It does. Because he's. That would make me trust somebody a little bit more if I know that they're willing to um, tell me that kind of thing about themselves. Yes. Yeah. And be that honest. And and like I said, very self-aware. But she says, well, you don't really have to fight anymore. And he's like, well, it's all I know how to do. 
<laughs> yeah. I didn't even right? know what a tomato was. Like, what else am I going to do with my life? Yeah. And Scarlett, she tries to make a joke. You know, she's like, it's okay if you don't know what a tomato is. Tomorrow we'll learn about broccoli. <laughs> he just kind of <laughs> stares at her and she says, you're not a dog who can't learn a new trick. Yeah. We'll find something for you to do. And it's like, okay, but yesterday you wouldn't give him a job. So now will you give him a job? Do something. <laughs> help him. Does he get a job now? So he ruffles his hair. Which is cute. Yes. <laughs> and he says he hates fighting. He always has. He, yeah. But he never wanted to be an Omega. He's om- he's insulted that she even asked if he was an Omega. And then yep. he's frustrated that it insulted him. Oh. <laughs> I love it. It says... Scarlet quirked an eyebrow and Wolf seemed to recognize the arrogance in his tone a moment too late. But I just like got such a picture in my head. She quirked her eyebrow. Yes. And I picture it in my head, but I'm not capable of doing it with my own. Oh my eyebrow. gosh, me either. <laughs> I think my son can do it, but I totally can't. It's oh, my husband can like, do like the oh, dancing man. eyebrow. That's crazy. I've never been able to do that. <laughs> me either. I can only wink with one eye. (laughs) Me too. But my oldest son can do both eyes. Yeah, so can my husband. You know, it reminds me of that episode of Doctor Who when Amy is in the, when she's staring at the TV of the weeping angel. And he's like, don't blink. And she back and forth blinks with each eye. And I'm like, (laughs) what are you doing? How are you doing that? Right? I'm like, I can't. I just can't. No. (laughs) We're back to Scarlett's inner monologue. And she is starting to feel a little bit guilty. It's easy for her to forget the risk Wolf is taking by helping her. Yeah. Because he's going back to a life that he left. And she doesn't know how he left it. But it sounds like he just ran away. Yeah. Which is desertion, I'm guessing. I I would think so, too. Yeah. So she starts to tell him thank you, and they're watching TV, and it pops up across the newsfeed. Search continues for escaped lunar fugitive Lynn Sender. And this is where Scarlett gets her little update. She didn't know that she escaped. Nope. And he's like, oh, you didn't hear that yet? I knew that. <laughs> yeah. She's like, when? I don't know, a day or two ago? She's How like, is that possible? They say someone helped her, a government employee. Okay, so they know about Dr. Erlon, but they don't know his name. Yeah. Because I can only assume that's the government employee, right? Like, who else would it be? Well, who else? They got to know. I love this. Wolf says, it makes one wonder what they would do in such a situation. If a lunar needed help and you had the ability to help them, even though it would put you and your family at risk, would you do it? Scarlett says, I wouldn't risk my family for anyone. Uh, your family or your grandmother? Yep. He's got the measure on her. Oh, yes. Those are two different things. Completely. This is exactly she- what her father was talking about. She idolizes it. Yeah. So she says she needs an espresso. <laughs> so my husband used to think that it was espresso with an X in it. Ah. And I corrected him, but now he says it just to pet peeve me. Uh, so, of course. Glares because I said espresso <laughs> and not espresso. <laughs> so she's like, it's been two hours since you ate. Don't you want to go get some food? So, again, she's trying to she's, make jokes. Yeah. And she's trying, I think she's trying to like feel more comfortable with him or make 
have helped him feel more comfortable with her too, maybe. Yeah, because he is on edge. <laughs> oh, for sure. He is on edge. For sure. Okay. But this is what's weird. She says, don't you want to get some food? You must be famished. Something flickered across Wolf's face, something bordering on panic. No, thank you. I'll <laughs> stay here. Panic from from food? I don't think it's panic from food. I think maybe it's panic of spending more time with her. Like, you yeah, don't know how to really, handle it. He's really freaked out, but we don't get to know why. That's where the chapter is. <sighs> she leaves. As she was shutting the door behind her, she saw Wolf push his hand roughly through his hair with a relieved sigh. <laughs> like he narrowly avoided a trap. <laughs> oh, man. Ouch. That's kind of like, yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, that's going to hurt. Poor Scarlet. <laughs> She's trying. She's trying to be nice and create some kind of relationship since they're stuck with each other. And yes. he's like, Mm-mm. he's not giving her anything. No. No, not like with <laughs> Thorn and Cinder are kind of stuck with each other and they're making the most of it. And they're trying to yeah. have conversations and connect and get to know each other. And Wolf has given Scarlet nothing. <laughs> right. He's just like, nope, not going to handle this. So the We're song fine. I picked out for this is Uncharted by Sarah Bareilles because they're uncharted. They don't know where their journey is going. It's nope. all uncharted, as the song says. Okay, so... <laughs> Some of, some of your listeners might think I'm a little nutty for this one, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a little crazy when I picked it, but I said, no, I'm going to do it. All right. So I picked Don't Stop Believing" by Journey because the song starts out with him singing, you know, just a small town girl living in a lonely world, took the midnight train going anywhere. And then it talks about him being a city boy. And, um, and so I was like, well, that's appropriate. I feel like that's appropriate. You know, yeah. and it talks about strangers coming together. And I'm like, well, this is kind of what's happening here. You know, they're strangers. Shadows. Rest together. Yeah. Yeah. I think your choice that is a mine. great one. I can't I wait to it. see what our Patreons pick because I kind of want to vote for yours. <laughs> <laughs> so there was one tomato, nine eggs, and two gloves in this chapter. Fun. And what was your chapter quote? Oh, Okay. So mine is actually towards the end of the chapter, and it's when um, Wolf makes the comment about, he says, your family or your grandmother, and then it says, rage came to her like a spigot, turned to full, remembering her father, how he'd come to her farm wearing that transmitter, how he tore her hanger apart. But I especially really just like that first part. Rage came to her like a spigot, turned to full. It's just such an Again, amazing visual imagery that Marissa Meyer gives us. And it's just, I love the, like, you know, I, um, I can write, like I blog and I write blog posts, but sometimes I read books like this and I'm like, I can, I don't think I could ever come up with that kind of imagery. Like That's a super, super good talent. Like I'm just not, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, so that was mine. I think the imagery is something that really sets her apart from other authors. Not that other authors who don't, you know, focus a lot on imagery aren't talented or gifted. It's just when you have that, it makes it more tangible and it's a poetic way of connecting you to the story and the characters. And I think that it's one of the things that she's most brilliant at with her writing technique and style. I agree. So my quote was from the very beginning, but it was impossible to feel threatened by the semi stranger across from her. Mm, I love that. Like they're strangers, but they're getting to know each other and it's not as scary. And yeah, yeah, I love that. 
So patrons will get to vote on those chapter titles, and I will reveal the winning ones next episode. There was a total of 13 eggs in these two chapters. So That's a lot. Yeah, remember if you're a Patreon member, you get to go on Patreon and check out what all those Easter eggs are and the open discussion about spoilers. So Yay. go join Patreon, www.patreon.com slash princecatfanpod. <laughs> <laughs> so when do episodes of YA Book Chat come out and where can people find you? Um, I put them up every other Monday. So I just do twice a month usually, unless it's a long month. Um, and then they can find me on both Instagram and Facebook as YA Book Chat. If you want to, um, I'm not super active on Twitter, but I am on there as Leah.Stuler, uh, S-T-U-H-L-E-R. Um, but usually... I just post whatever I post to Instagram. I'll post to Twitter too. So it's the same kind of thing. Me too. (laughs) It's just easier. Yeah. But I'm really active on both the the YA book chat, um, Instagram, and Facebook pages. So the next time we're going to cover chapters 17 and 18. And don't forget to follow us and follow YA book chat. And rate, review, and subscribe. And what we say on the end of every episode is don't get glamored. So before we head out, and I'll see everyone on our next episode, don't get glamored. (laughs) Don't get glamored. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. The passages read for you today are from Scarlet by Marissa Meyer. This podcast is hosted and produced by Bethany Finger. Today's special guest was Leah Stoller from YA Book Chat Podcast. Our logo art was created by Angela Wong on Instagram. Thank you for listening. You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at InspireSleep.com.